The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback everyone's talking about with an AFC team, there's a quarterback with an NFC team that will continue to be a significant point of discussion, especially as we get to the week where all the teams descend on Indianapolis. And if there are deals to be made, now is the time to make it. You've got Derek Carr floating around. You've got other quarterback options in free agency. The log jam begins and ends with Aaron Rodgers. What is he going to do? Question one. Is he retiring or playing? Question two, is he playing for the Packers or someone else? Question three, if not the Packers, then who? Chris, he did his darkness retreat. While you were baking in the sun last week and turning red like a boiled lobster, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers was devoid of all light in a 300-square-foot semi-underground bungalow where... If that is it a bungalow or a bunker, maybe bunker is bunker, the better think, B-U-N right? word. But either way, that's where he was in this search for whatever enlightenment he needs to decide what he wants to do. And now we wait. But as I said, the day that word broke that his darkness retreat had ended, it's time for him to let the Packers know what he's going to do. Because even though we know what the Packers alternative plan is, Jordan Love becomes the starter. If you're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, you need to work it out now. These teams out there that are interested in Rodgers need to know whether or not they're going to get him. This is the week to do it. Yeah, it is the week to do it. Uh, and the, the, the clock is ticking here, certainly. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to screw over Green Bay and, and maybe some of these other teams or himself that might be interested in him, I would think he's got to make, you know, make it be known here at some point over the next two weeks, maybe sooner than that, right? Uh, I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, too, Mike, when I look at it in the Rodgers situation, I have no idea where this goes, where it's going to go. I still think that if you made me bet, he'd be back in Green Bay. The other thing I come to, uh, or at least in, in my opinion, or at least I come to a lot of the times is like, 
You know, if it's not the Jets, who's it going to be? Do you really think there's anybody else there that is a really a, like a realistic option other than the Jets, right? So to me, it's one of those two teams. And yeah, does Rodgers want to come deal with New York or does he still want to be the king of the castle in Green Bay? And that's where I think ultimately he'll end up still staying there. Complicating the situation is the fact that the day that, that we shut down for a week and a right. half, Tyler Dunn at GoLongTD.com had a podcast with Bob McGinn who yeah. covered the Packers for years. And McGinn dropped some bombs, bombs, bombs about the Packers' attitude toward Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, that sparked people saying, oh, McGinn's just salty. He's, he, you know, they took away his credential, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I have a feeling the guy still knows people in the organization. And his take was the Packers have had enough. They're disgusted with Rodgers, and they're ready to move forward with Jordan Love. And, you know, somebody asked me last week, well, how do the Packers know Jordan Love's going to be any good? Well, how did they know Aaron Rodgers was going to be any good? But he sat on the bench for three years behind Brett Favre, and they decided it was time to turn the page. And that tracks now. Love has sat for three years. We saw a glimpse of him on that Sunday night against the Eagles when Rodgers got hurt, and it looked pretty good. They traded up in round one to get him. They want to see what he has. So that's what makes this even more awkward. What if Rodgers says, okay, I've decided, number one, I want to play, and number two, I want to play for the Packers. And the Packers say, well, maybe you should go back for another darkness retreat before you finalize your desire to play in Green Bay because we, we kind of want to move on to Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I understand, you know, that thought process. I understand them being exhausted with the Aaron Rodgers situation. You know, the fact that, yeah, Rodgers won the two MVPs. He took the power back. He got the financial, you know, guarantees and money to get all the power back in the situation, right? But by all due accounts, last year didn't didn't look his best. Doesn't look like he put his best foot forward and putting him and putting himself and the team in the position to be his best and their best. So those are all things that I think work against him in the public forum right now, for sure. Let alone, yeah, he's it's 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 a hot hot button topic that dominates their locker room all the time, dominates their organization, and it's. Wait, are we going to have him next year or are we not? Are we playing for the future or are we, wait, do we stay here and keep the team together and, you know, sign a, a veteran free agent and do that because we got Rodgers and we still think we're in a window? Or do we flip the team over and start, you know, developing and young and build for the future a little bit? They're kind of stuck in limbo because of the situation. I know it could be worse, but it's not ideal for an organization and I can understand them being tired by all of this. And when he's playing at an MVP level, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, sure. You find a way to make it work. Last year, it wasn't MVP level. Last year, he wasn't all in. And, Chris, the thing that continues to stand out to me. Yeah. We saw the Packers trade their best receiver. We saw the Chiefs trade their best receiver. We saw what Patrick Mahomes did, both during the voluntary offseason program and on his own time to get his receivers ready. We saw what Aaron Rodgers didn't do. You know, I think that if the Packers are going to welcome him back this year, they're going to want a stronger commitment. You need to be all in. You need to do it right. We need to do. Someone needs to tell him, look at what Patrick Mahomes did and look at what happened for them. I mean, do we think it's a coincidence the Packers didn't really get it together until November, December 
and they were too late to get into the postseason. If they had been playing all year like they did down the stretch, they would have gotten into the playoffs. And one of the reasons they didn't play all year like they did down the stretch is because you got these young receivers that still weren't as comfortable as they could have been and should have been with their quarterback because their quarterback wasn't around in the offseason, didn't gather them in California or wherever, get to know them, let them get to know him, let them not be freaked out by him. That's the huge blind spot he continues to have. I mean, these guys are going to be in awe of him. You need to break that down. You need to be one of the guys, ASAFP, in order to get to the point where you're out there having success. And so if the Packers are going to have him back, Chris, I think that needs to be one of the demands they make. We need your full focus. This is our last chance. This is our run. This is your legacy. And if we just put in a little bit more, we maybe get a lot more out of it. Yeah. I I, I don't think that's crazy to ask. I, I think they'd have to approach that situation a little bit and delicate, delicately maybe, but uh, I think you're, you're right. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, they're paying him a ton of money. He's getting $60 million. You explained it. He's the leader of the team. He's the quarterback. You want to be the man. You got to be there in the off season and lead the rest of the men. You got a $99 million dead cap hit on the, on you. You, you got to be there. Sorry. I mean, it just, it's, it's so, uh, it didn't make sense last year. You explained it. You were one of the first people to really call him out on it. And that's kudos to you. And you're right. It showed during the year. And you, you're putting the perfect people up there together. There's Mahomes with a bunch of young guys and, and no superstar or anything like that, a receiver. He has the best year of his career, spreads the wealth. You don't even know a thing. Green Bay, they didn't even look like the same offense. Didn't even look like the same quarterback. You know, so it, it's, it's scary, Mike. And I don't know, Mike, do you – when I was talking before, is there another team that I'm missing – did I miss something? Have you heard it? It just seems like it's Jets or Packers, right, when it's all said and done here? I mean, the Raiders were the talk of that Pebble Beach golf tournament that Rodgers yeah, was out a few right. weeks ago. He was having fun with that. I still don't know that Aaron Rodgers and Josh McDaniels nah, are going to work, folks. I negative. mean, Patriots way west. That's the kind of hard coaching that Aaron Rodgers has never had and would never want. I was going to ask you this question. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you look at, the full list of teams, all 31 alternatives out there, which team would you want to play for if you were Aaron Rodgers? Oh, well, like just blank slate? I mean, like, uh, you know. You can pick any team you want. You're a free agent. You can pick any team you want. And look, if the Packers don't want him, yeah, I'd like to think he's got a little more say than this attitude the Packers have that you'll only go where we send you. It's like, hey, bull crap, I'll stay here and you'll pay me $60 million and you don't want me here. So you're going to work with me a little bit. So if he had his choice of any team out there, which team do you do you think he would want to go to and or which team would you want to go to if you were him? Man, I, I mean, the Jets would be one of the teams that would be at the top of the list. I, I will just say that right off the bat. You know, like, I, I, hey, let's talk about the teams that need quarterbacks right now. Just just right off, right? I mean, Washington's not a horrible situation. I think it's actually pretty good. He could go there and be successful. Weapons, you know, Eric Bieniemy. you're going to get, you know, you're going to have a good offense, all of that. So I'll throw them in the mix as a team, and I go, oh, that makes sense. Carolina, no freaking way. The Saints, I don't see that happening. Houston, no way. Tampa, no way, right? So that's where, you know, and then Indianapolis Colts, I don't think that happens either. Raiders, I, I'm with you with the McDaniels thing. So when you look at it realistically as far as places that need quarterback and do that, and then you match up the teams, the Jets got everything. We've, we've hit that. I mean, they got everything. They're ready. They are. 
And that'd be the one that I think, you know, I'd, I'd be looking at if I were him, you know, where you're, you're the, you're the God King coming in. You're the main guy. There's nobody else there. You got to worry about the only guy there is a young quarterback who the fan base doesn't like, and you're his idol. So he's going to follow you and, and hopefully grow under that. I think the Jets are the team, Mike. Why would you say no freaking way to the Panthers? They got Frank Reich as a head coach. Jim Caldwell's there now as a senior offensive assistant. You've I, had Ajiro Evero taking over that defense, which is full of great players. I hear Why you. Why would he turn up his nose at the Panthers? No, you're right. Maybe I'm a little – I didn't mean to be so harsh. I guess I'm just saying I don't know if they're ready yet this year. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I don't think he's in the, oh, hey, this year is okay. I'm looking two years down the road conversation. I guess that's kind of what I was thinking there, Mike. You're right. There's a lot of things to like about Carolina. I did not mean to disrespect. You know me. Damn, I've been the Carolina guy the last two years telling everybody watch out for them. Uh, but I guess I just didn't feel like that was for Rodgers. And I don't know if they're ready for prime time quite the way I look at the Jets where you look at it and go position group by position group. You start to go, damn, they're real good there. Damn, they're real good there. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that at least you know open my eyes when I look at the Jets. If he'd go to Carolina, they would instantly become the best team in the division by far. It's a and fair maybe point. Fatten up their record mm -hmm. enough that they'd be the one seed. Those are things to consider. It's fair point. The road You're to right. Las Vegas would go through Charlotte at that point, and of course we've seen that happen for a few times for the Packers in the past decade or so, and it doesn't always work out. In fact, it hasn't worked out once with them as a number one seed. Uh, and you mentioned the Commanders and Eric Bieniemy. The first thing I thought is, oh great, that's all Bieniemy needs. Another quarterback who will be the well. well we can't make you a head coach because you know it's, it's the quarterback he's carrying because you, you had a yeah, great quarterback right, right, it's right. not you it's not you <laughs> yeah, it's right. the quarterback how about the, how about one team you didn't mention what's that how about the team that that has uh, the, the 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 young starter who broke his ankle in week two and then the even younger starter that jacked up his elbow so bad he couldn't have surgery last week because it's still too swollen what about that team uh, yeah, that they team tried to trade for him two years ago i know the 49ers sure i mean you know, as far as Rodgers, that, that makes sense all the way. You know, I, I guess what I would just say is, I uh, like I say to a few of these teams, you, you know, do you want to be, you know, you've got a Super Bowl team that's so good. Do you want Rodgers to come in, take all the limelight, all the questions are about him? Is he going to be there more than a year? Are you going to be back in this situation again? You know, that money with the amount of players that, you know, again, they're, they're going to have to figure out some things with their salary cap too and their team as it is, as many talented players they have. I guess that's where I think it, it wouldn't happen with Rodgers in San Francisco. Well, and, and I also think, because one of the things Rodgers was asked during that Pro-Am week, the, the, he said not San Fran. Somebody asked him where he's going to be, and he said not San Fran. So that's kind of been forgotten. But they were the team. Remember, that all started. This yeah. all bubbled up. Mm -hmm. It was 2020 when they drafted Jordan Love. That created an issue. And then a year later, it all hit the day before the draft that he thought he was going to be traded. He thought they told him he'd be traded. They didn't trade him. The 49ers called. The Packers said no. Um, and it just feels like the 49ers would be a spot where he could go. If, you, if you're looking for the deck most stacked in your favor, Chris, it's got to be the 49ers. Definitely. They are one above average quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, That's I, all it's going to take. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Mike, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. You know, I just think there's a, there's a lot of moving parts there and things on their football team that, that make it hard. And I'm not necessarily, you know, sure that for all the things you talked about with Green Bay, 
And as amazing as Shanahan is, I'm not sure you want to invite, you know, what could be a headache. Maybe it would be the greatest thing ever, but they're also, I mean, I think we could all agree that it could be, you know, an issue for them too. So, and then I think when you couple that with, wait, you're going to turn on the film from this year and go, damn, it wasn't very good. It was definitely the worst year of his career. Those would things that I, I would think would, you know, make you pump the brakes a little bit if you're the 49ers, at least in this conversation. And one last point as it relates to the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. I've had people raise this question with me. And it's like, hey, you know, you, you're a guy that's a proponent of player mental health and that, that everybody needs to be sensitive to what they need in order to function properly. Why are you why are you giving Rodgers a hard time? The reason I give him a hard time about it is he 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 chooses to be public about it and then complain when people talk about it. That's what bothers me. I have no problem with the guy doing whatever he has to do to allow himself to make good decisions for his future. We all have the right to do that. It's part of the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We all have the right to do whatever we choose to do to try to get us to a point where we are truly happy day in and day out. It just irked me that he was open about it, talked about it, raised it himself, and then got pissy because people started saying things about it. Like, come on, man, just go do it. You don't have to tell us. You tell us afterward or don't tell us at all. Do whatever you have to do to make yourself better. But if you're going to choose to go on air once a week and talk about your life, don't get upset when people talk about you talking about your life. Yeah, I agreed. I, I understand. It kind of seems to be a thing with all celebrities right now. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Wait, there's something not good about me right now? Don't look. Kind of yeah. going across what the board. What are you board. looking at? Right. What are you look looking at? at? Wait, give me look my me. privacy. What the hell are you How dare at? you? I've been asking for your yeah. attention in every way possible here for the last hundred days in a row, but now it's a bad day of attention. I don't want it. I don't want it. Give me my respect. That's that's that's. I, it seems to be a thing across the board. But yeah, I'm I'm you know Lamar Jackson one, Aaron Rodgers two, and yeah. you know the 49ers thing. It's it's you know sounds all good too. But you know Nick Bosa's coming down the pipeline here. They're gonna have to make him the highest or one of the two or three highest paid guys, right? I don't think they can sacrifice some of the things they got going with their organization right now for the sixty million dollar price tag with Rodgers. And that's where I keep looking at it and going, your Carolina thing is interesting. Definitely have made me think about that a little bit more seriously, uh, but I still think the Jets would be the team that, that I would look at to be suspect or, or primary suspect number one. And again, if the Packers have this attitude, we're not trading him to an NFC team, there's a point where Rodgers, just like Lamar Jackson, there's a point where you got to be willing to be the bad guy. We've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of take a heel turn as far as it relates Definitely. to the public and the media. At some point, you got to say to the Packers, hey, guys, I've been here since 2005. I've been your starter since 2008. You've made a lot of money off of me over the years. I did some long-term deals where I was underpaid for long stretches. And we're coming to the end of the road here, and you're ready to move on. And you're not going to let me go where I want to go. That's bull crap. I'm going where I want to go. Because, Chris, he's got the ultimate hammer here. I know we need to take a break, but I want to say this. I think I mentioned it last week when we did our PFTPM podcast. He could always do exactly what Favre did 15 years ago. He could retire now. And then he could unretire later and really put the Packers in a tough spot. Because 15 years ago, the Packers had the cap space to absorb the Brett Favre $12 million salary. The Packers probably aren't going to have the cap space to welcome Aaron Rodgers back. If he wants to do the full Brett Favre thing, he's going to get to dictate his way out of town later. So let him go where he wants to go now.
Let's be adults here. Let the guy, especially if you think he's not as good as he used to be, why are you worried about him playing for the Panthers? Let him go wherever he wants to go if you're ready to move on to Jordan Love. I'd like to think that we have adults in the room on both sides of this table. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. You're, you're right. You know, um, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't let that be a deal breaker for me either at this point. And, you know, like we're saying, I don't know if there's really an NFC team that's really a threat out there that you would look at to go, oh, wow, I definitely don't want them to go there, especially if the 49ers are not getting involved. I can understand that where you think, oh, wait, you know, it's a top team. We might, but, you know, Carolina, as we're saying, yeah, there's potential. There's work to do. We like things there. But, uh, again, I I don't think that's going to be one that, you know, is Aaron Rodgers' fancy right now as far as that team and where they are and – you know, new coach, all that type of stuff. They got to get the lay the groundwork there. Uh, I, I just, I don't imagine that. I don't know if they're ready enough right now for Aaron Rodgers. And, and it's not like the Packers are in a spot where they're penciled in as NFC champions. No, and they got to worry about handing Rodgers to someone who would knock them off. Right. So it's just spite. It just feels like there's an element of spite in all of this. And I just would like to think that when it's time for these two sides to go their separate ways, Sanity will prevail and goodwill will emerge and they'll make a decision that's right for everyone. But that's something else that's hovering over this week, along with Lamar Jackson. As we mentioned earlier, we will be at the scouting combine this week. But how many coaches won't be? We'll look at that new trend when PFT Live continues right after this. Scouting Combine this week, just two weeks after the Super Bowl. You know, if they ever push the Super Bowl back another week, if they would get to 18 games or add a second bye, I don't know that one week between Super Bowl and Combine works. They may have to push the Combine back. I feel like we all need to pivot and adjust before we sprint into draft season. But this is the unofficial start of draft season for the teams. It's been going on, Chris, for months. Their scouts have been looking at the the college players, going to practices, going to games. After the season ends, the coaches get involved. And there's more and more coaches who question the value of actually being at the scouting combine. We saw it last year, and we're going to see it again this year. It's not alarming yet for the league because the league wants to puff this up as a big tentpole event well, if half the coaches eventually aren't showing up, it's kind of hard to sell it to the fans as a big deal. If the coaches don't see fit to be there, I think that at some number, the league gets concerned. For now, they're probably not, but there are coaches who are making that conscious decision. Their time is better spent at the facility, not at the combine. Yeah, well, I think it's a good conversation. And listen, I think there's two parts of it, and you kind of said one of them. You know, there's is the value of them not being at the combine. Okay, doesn't mean there's not still great value at the combine or value from the combine. And these coaches that even though are not there, right, they're still going to lean on a lot of things that went on the combine when it comes time to do that. But right now, yeah, it's a it's a weird timing. You kind of explained it the right way. Like, think about it. For a lot of coaches, it becomes, yeah, wait, we're evaluating our own team. We're figuring out what free agents, what guys we want to keep. We're trying to look at free agents around the league while doing that. You know, hey, I'd love to be at the combine, 
But as you know, the combine's full of BS as well. Yeah, the workouts, meaning the players are great, but it's, oh, I got to meet this media guy. I got to go talk to this agent. Oh, this guy wants to have a beer with me. And I think a lot of coaches get done with it and go, damn, I missed like five or six days or I I thought I was going to be able to get this work done at the combine and I didn't because I always got pulled away to do something else. But so I think they're going, wait, I'm going to let my personnel people, the front office people, the GM, they're going to go there. And then they got everything on film. And they'll lean on some of that stuff. I still think there's great value in the combine. But I think for some of the coaches, especially the ones that aren't involved in the roster decisions and things like that as much or don't have that power, yeah, I think that you can continue to see this where some don't want to waste their their minutes or you know the, the, the days of time that go by there at the combine with BS on things that they feel like they can get done at the office. You've got planning for the off-season programs, which will be starting before you know it. You've got to make decisions about which of your free agents you're going to keep, which ones you're not going to keep, which free agents you're going to pursue. You may have to make a franchise tag decision, and you spend time part of the day, if you're at the facility, focusing on the draft picks. And all of the interviews can be recorded your GM is there, scouts are there, you still get to see the 15 minutes. And, and, And I think that some of this is pushback against the reality that the various events of what we started calling years ago, the underwear Olympics, they're not football. And the guys specifically train for those things. And it really doesn't give you a glimpse, a real glimpse into how a guy is going to play football at the NFL level. And we've seen workout warriors at the combine who end up not being able to play football at all. Um, and also the interviews. They're, they're so well prepped, the players are, that you really don't in 15 minutes have a chance to get through to the real guy and you have other opportunities to meet with the guys you're truly interested in this speed dating that barely scratches the surface 15 minutes 15 minutes 15 minutes I think some coaches question the value of that and then you wrap it all around a week-long excursion where you're going out to dinner every night and we've seen what some of these guys I mean you know heard the stories I mean they're they're out all night drinking. Yeah. And then they got to turn around and do it again the next day. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It just it, it's, it wears, it wears them out, and it's, it's an important part of the offseason. I think that's why you saw, you know, McVay and the Shanahan's. You laid, you laid it out the right way. They're, they're trying to get certain things done for their organization, and they can lean on other people they trust, you know. And, and, and again, it doesn't diminish to me. It does not diminish, nor – Coaches around the NFL, I still think are going to look. They're still going. Wait, we need the combine. You know, the one thing I will say is the combine's great. The pro days are the ones you can get rid of. That's the one where I would fight back against it. But hey, to have everybody there, it's still the greatest gathering of information you can get on all the players in one spot. And then, of course, have the doctors there to make sure the medical checks are all really, you know, uh, important. And Mike, you know, like you're right. I mean, the the drills themselves don't tell it all, but there are things that you can get inklings from in drills to go, ooh, that concerns me, or ooh, he did that, I like that. And yeah, we have the workout warriors, you know, or those guys who don't fail, but we also have the ones, you know, you can't forget the ones that go there and then show out and we go, damn, and then it makes everybody look at them a little differently when they turn the film on. They go, wait. Tariq Woolen, he can't be really fast. This is not great competition he's playing. 
Oh, wait, he ran 4-2 at the combine? Damn, okay, wait, maybe he is as fast as I thought he was on film. Oh, crap, okay, I got to look at this differently. So there is positives there. Uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but I wouldn't be shocked, Mike, to your point, if we continue to see coaches and given years not be there, not be a part of it, uh, and lean on other people. But but I will definitely push back about the value. I still think there's great value in the combine. Oh, oh I'm not saying there isn't value. No, I know. I'm just saying is, in general. Can your time yeah. be better spent if you're a head coach? Yeah, yeah. And look, the combine's not going anywhere. If it goes anywhere, it's going to Las Vegas or Los <laughs> yeah, Angeles. Right, right. They've been toying with that for years now. And I think... I think, I don't know this, but as we're weaving these various ideas together, I wonder if they continue to keep it in Indy because they're concerned if they would make it a full week crap show in the land of craps and blackjack and roulette. That's a disaster. Wouldn't go. No way. More coaches wouldn't go. You're right. You know, right now it works out perfectly in Indianapolis. They're not bothered. Like, fans don't descend on Indianapolis in February for the scouting combine. Everything is close together. Everything's in reasonable walking distance. It's convenient and it's easy. And if it became a pain in the butt from a travel standpoint or fans are everywhere and it makes it even harder to do anything productive, you'd possibly see more coaches not go. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Let alone, I I mean, you know, the thing I always, when I think of the NFL and Vegas and you know, the thing we're talking about, public gatherings, dinner, drinking, all of that, I just think that's a scary formula for NFL personnel, coaches, players, everybody. You know, they're wired to put the pedal to the metal in both phases of life, and Vegas certainly can bring out the best in both of all of us in that department to where I think it could be dangerous. Um, but, yeah, it would be interesting. Best and the worst. Yeah, the best if, and the worst. If the scouting <laughs> right. combine – if the scouting combine goes to Las Vegas, what happens in Vegas will definitely not stay in Vegas. Not with <laughs> no. all the cameras and microphones. That's there. right. You can so, fly under the uh, radar in Indianapolis a little bit. You're you're exactly right, and and I think that's where it's good. And of course, this city, the way it's set up, to me, I was talking about this with my wife last night. It's just amazing. You know, you, you, you're just, it's, it's so walkable. It's convenient. You don't have to go outside if you don't want to. Everything is right there. It just makes a lot of sense. And, and again, I think there is great value. But, yeah, it's going to be something to watch for, right, Mike? You know, I'm the kind of coach that, you know, and, again, not that you need to do this, but I'd probably want to be there. I'd be that, that'd be the guy I'd want. I'd want to be there. I want to look at them and see them in person just to start to get a feel for that. I'm big in the, you know, in-person look test as far as my evaluation goes. But, you know, again, those are things you can do on when they come and visit the facility. Or you can lean on your people who know what football guys look like to, hey, give me a feel of what it looked like when this guy walked in the room. Uh, so be interesting to see where this all goes. You, you, you want to do the – the Chris Sims meat hook test. I want to te- exactly right. You, I gotta. I gotta. You want to see. see if you want to see if you break your fingers on those thighs. I want to see if I can even get my hands around them. If I can't get my hands around the thigh, I'm gonna go. Damn, this guy might be a good player. Watch out. But there is, you know, hey, there's nuances too. You know, not all six three guys, you know, that are 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 built the same. There's things you look at to go. Ooh, wait, he has this attribute. I've seen. This six three receiver built like this before. I like his build more than this guy who's a little narrow in the hips, and I'm worried about that. Or you know, every year I I talk to a coach in the draft process, and you know, I go, oh, I like this guy. They go, you know, I like this guy too. But did, have you watched his film and the three cone drill? 
Have you watched that? That that really scares me. Look at his time and look at his three cone drill. He couldn't put his foot in the ground or turn his hips or do that. So you know they're 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 being looked at, even though those coaches might not be there to see it in person all the time. Would you please not do the Vulcan death grip on my leg when we're in Indianapolis? Absolutely tomorrow? not. Can I, can I Absolutely at least get you to not? No, no uh, negative Ghost Rider. It's fine. it's a it's a tradition. Florio Sims Vulcan death grip. Come and do a theater near you. I, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to rig a booby trap, like, like you know, <laughs> like electrocute me. I, I, I don't I know do how it. I can do it without, <laughs> yeah. without hurting myself. I have to come up with a way that it hurts you, but it doesn't hurt me when you do it. Some sort of a trap for Chris Sims, and then he'll never do it again. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the Rams are going to be saying farewell to a couple of their key players. Will there be more behind them? We'll talk about that next year on PFC Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, the Rams have come a long way from FM picks. Now they're moving on from some of the guys that they acquired in order to be as good as they could be. They didn't have to give up draft picks to get Bobby Wagner. He was a free agent signing last year after one year. There will be a mutual parting of the ways. Jalen Ramsey likely, very likely, let's get it right, very likely to be traded. I think he wants another new contract, and the Rams don't want to give it to him. I think that's what's the core there because there was talk about him getting a new contract before last season. That's crazy. I can't even believe that. one year or two years into a, a – well, he was one year into a, a five-year extension. He, he had four years left under contract. Now he's got three. When you look at the cash payout over the next three years, I can see why he wants more. But, uh, you know, you, you gave up a ton to get him. And you look at his contract, Chris, it's not unfavorable for the Rams to keep him. Like, why would you want to move on from him if he's still an elite corner? And I know he's had some lapses at times, but he's still an elite corner. Yeah. The cash payouts over the next three years are team-friendly. I think the reality is he wants more. They don't want to give it to him. So they're going to trade him before it gets as ugly as it did between him and the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean— it, it, That's it, my theory. I, I, I don't disagree with your theory. I mean, there's, it definitely looks like that, at least at face value to a degree. And the fact that I think they're looking at— you know, maybe changing their team over and starting to get a little more, you know, young and develop guys and start to go that route a little bit. So Jalen Ramsey 
is a guy that you look at to what you just said. He's still a top corner in football. And I'm, I'm not going to say he's top five anymore in the league, but damn, he's still, you know, not far off that, let alone, I think he's a guy that, you know, like we've seen some other great secondary players in history too, Charles Woodson. I, I think he could play, you know, Rod Woodson, him too. I think he could play some safety. He's such a great tackler. We see him do it basically now. He moves all around the football field. So I think there's probably a little bit of, you know, hey, we got to rebuild the team. Hey, he might ask for more money to the point you're making. And then, hey, there's still value for this guy out there. And I think between all those things, I I wouldn't be shocked to see Jalen Ramsey get traded here sometime soon either. It's it's just got to be confusing if you're a Rams fan because, again, F them picks. We made the major investment to get the guy. We have him. Why are we moving on? What are we going to get? Why are we doing this? Where are the Rams right now? And this does feel to me like it is, I don't know, it's a re- it's got to be, it's, they are paying the bill for the Super Bowl they won. This is just part of the process. Last season was part of it, and this season is going to be part of it, Chris. They are regrouping, rebuilding, regrouping, reloading, whatever. They won the Super Bowl, they have the trophy, and this is the backside of it, given the way they went about it. It wasn't the culmination of a team they gradually built. They went all in, they made drastic changes, they got what they wanted, and now they're dealing with the aftermath, plain and simple. No, you're right. They they are. And that's it's gonna be, I think, a little time here. You're seeing the aftermath. Which, uh, it looks like they're gonna maybe change over the roster. We saw major changes to the coaching staff in certain positions. So be interested to see where this goes. And be interested too, you know. I am a little surprised Jalen Ramsey. I understand the number might not be what he wants, but it's still top of the market, right? That's where I'm like, you know, again, I, I know we don't know this, but we, you're right. We heard those rumors before the year where I just go, man, new contract already at the early phases here and certainly a part of your career where, hey, it's it's not going uphill anymore. We're, we're not there. We're plateauing or at least going downhill a little bit. Uh, be interesting to see what Jalen Ramsey can command out there and if he does get a new contract with another team. $17 million this year, $18.5 million next year, $19.5 million in 2025. Remember, the cap keeps going up. The yeah. top of the market is still kind of languishing around 21. I mean, this just may be a play to stretch that rubber band even farther, to get it to 22, 23, 24. Why not me? Why not now? And the Rams, if they choose not to do it, the only alternative is to trade him again before it gets ugly, before they get into that mess that the Jaguars were in with Jalen Ramsey back in 2019. But it feels like that's where it's going, and it really is hard to get a feel for where these Rams are. I feel like a lot more changes need to be made before they can become whatever they're going to be well, yeah. two, three, four, five years from now, if Sean McVay is even there. The Jordan Rodrigue article from The Athletic from Wednesday or Thursday, I believe, I think it was Thursday, uh, really delving into the despair that Sean McVay felt last year. I'm surprised he came back after reading how dark things got for him last year. But, Chris, what did they expect? What did they expect? Did they expect to repeat? Did they expect to hold it all together? Because we'd said it all along. When you have all that money tied up in a handful of guys, injuries are going to kill you because it tests every ounce of depth you have to keep it going. And the offensive line fell apart, and that was that for the Rams. Exactly right. It just there was not enough depth to overcome it. I'm sure it was a tough year. 
You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure McVay and them were realistic to know, man, getting back to the Super Bowl is hard, and we're not definitely expecting that. But I can guarantee they didn't expect the year they got, which was, you know, one of the poor teams in football, or certain, certainly in the bottom half of the league as far as that's concerned. So I'm sure it was a tough year. And yeah, they got to rebuild their team. They got to start developing guys, and they're they're good at developing players. And one of the reasons they've been able to do f them picks and and do live the way they've lived is because they got a ton of second and third and fourth and fifth rounders who play for their football team. So make the best of this. And uh, you know, again, I think that's where Jalen Ramsey maybe got, lets them acquire some assets if they trade him. You know, Bobby Wagner, and you know the the release of him and his contract allows them some more wiggle money with that con or so you know their their salary cap, and we'll see what they can do from there. But you're right, this is not going to be an over the overnight process. And keep an eye on the Seahawks for Bobby Wagner. I think for family reasons, he wants to stay on the West Coast or at least generally in that vicinity. And when John Schneider, the GM of the team, was asked about Wagner last week, he said. He hasn't been released yet, so we can't talk to his agent, which is him. The fact that he would even say we can't talk to his agent implies that at the appropriate time they would like to talk to his agent, which is Bobby Wagner, and maybe bring him back because he he didn't lose anything last year. He still had it, uh, and he's still one of the top linebackers in the game. Now, look, the end can come quickly when you consider the rough-and-tumble nature of the position but it could be the Seahawks want to try to bring him back for 2023, Chris. Yeah, listen, he's still real good. Is he second team all pro good? No, not for me. Not that. I think his name carried him to a little bit higher of a hierarchy than he deserved. Again, if he was second team all pro, his contract is really valuable. I mean, or, or valuable to the team, team friendly. He's, I mean, if he's one of the five best linebackers in football and he's making $10 million a year, well, then you're winning. You know, but the, the, that's not really the reality, at least in my assessment of watching film. Still a really good player. Could make sense for him in Seattle. He's the DNA of that organization. I think there's great respect between both sides there. And Mike, throw this in there too. Jordan Brooks, right? They're awesome middle linebacker. He tore his ACL, right, at the end of the season. So there might be a real need for somebody to be in the middle of that defense standing there while Jordan Brooks kind of gets healthy and gets going again. Yeah, it really is strange when you think about it from the Rams' perspective. They coveted the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl, but life goes on afterward. And you really do have to pick up the pieces sometimes in an awkward way as you figure out where you're going forward. And defensively, it's going to be a very different Rams team. And, Chris, I have a feeling this is going to be the last year for Aaron Donald with the Rams. He's either going to retire after this season or he's going to ask to be traded to another team. And I won't be... And I'm not reporting anything here, not that I ever do. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I won't be shocked if nah, – I'd be shocked. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to say Aaron Donald could be traded now. I think they're going to keep him, and I think he wants to stay for one more year. But I feel like this is it. Yeah. Like, after this, it's done. He's going to maybe be traded to a team closer to Pittsburgh because he spends his off-seasons there. And one of the reasons he was thinking about retiring – is because he's in L.A. for five, six, seven months out of the year when he'd, he'd rather be closer to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, listen, Mike, I don't know. I, you know. I don't think what you just said is all that crazy. I think when you look at the state of their football team, and I think it would be fair to question Aaron Donald, who's probably sitting there going, damn, wait, do I want to be a part of this? Is this where, where are we going here? 
Are we going to be in, you know, five and 12 Ville here for the next two years as they rebuild this thing? So uh, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, by anything over the next two years. You're right. I don't know if I expect it right now, but I think we're certainly closer to the end than beginning. That's for sure. They'd be taking a big cap hit if they traded him now. Yeah, is that right? But I think after this year, Uh, all bets are off. All right. Let's take a break. There was another item from The Athletic last week about Russell Wilson, his time in Denver, and his exit from Seattle. Some of the big takeaways from that story. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. So the athletic was hard at work last week, taking Apparently. deep dives into situations gone bad. You know, it's a lot more fun to deconstruct what went wrong, and we know the Rams went wrong, and we know that the Broncos with Russell Wilson went wrong. That was oh. the story that dropped on Friday, and it it created in one of the early paragraphs the headline that dominated the morning the report that Russell Wilson wanted Coach Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider to be fired by the Seahawks. Wilson promptly denied it. Um, Look, I I don't know that he ever came out and said it, but this is one of those things you don't have to come out and say. If he meets with ownership and he says, this isn't sustainable, I need a change. Well, he's not changing because he wants to live in a new city. He's not changing because he doesn't like that blue helmet. He's not changing because he doesn't like the rest of the uniform. He needs a change in approach, and we knew that was coming. He was pissed after the 2020 season, and he spoke publicly about it on Dan Patrick's show. It was clear that he wasn't happy with the way things were going with the offense, with the team. So you're either going to trade me to a place where I have a new coach that will do things a way that I may be more agreeable with, or we need to do it here. That's the only alternative. The only alternative to me being traded is we need a new coach. We need a new direction. We need a new front office. We need a new everything here. So you don't come out and say fire these guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if the implication of whatever he said to ownership was the only way you're going to keep me happy is if you get a new coach and a new GM. Yeah, I'm kind of with you and how you're you're explaining that. I don't don't know if I envision like, hey, fire these guys, but yeah, a – a letting of ownership know that th- I'd like a philosophy change, right? Uh, I, I don't think that would – that doesn't shock me at all. I don't think that would shock anybody in football that that conversation went on. And what that implies is it's easy to figure that out. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. He doesn't have to say those exact words to make that be known. And wouldn't be shocked that if that was the case or whatever. And, of course, Pete Carroll and John Schneider know about it. And that's why Pete Carroll enjoyed throwing zingers Russell Wilson's way this year. He probably knows that there was talks about philosophy change. I'd like to play a different way. I don't want to always have to play through the eyes of the defensive head coach. So, yeah, and I think that's why things are a little bitter and and bad blood that way. You know, it hasn't... Didn't didn't handle that situation totally correct, and, and and at least in my opinion. And then of course, you know, from what we know, things you and I know, things we discussed during the year, even before this article, he didn't necessarily handle things exactly the right way in Denver in his first year either. 
Well, and that's part of what's in this deep dive from having his own personal quarterbacks coach involved in meetings on Tuesdays that he would hold with players on the day off. And it was kind of undermining the coaching staff, his office and all the things they did to bend over backwards for Russell Wilson. And look, if they had won, it wouldn't be an issue. Things like this become an issue when you grossly underachieve. And it's unclear who's to blame for what happened last year. As I read that article, though. They did everything they could to accommodate the way Russell Wilson wanted to have things done. That's all they did. Nathaniel Hackett tried to jam square peg into round hole. Right. So they tried to run the plays that Russell Wilson wanted to have run. And look, he got what he wanted a year later. Because what he wanted in Seattle, according to this report, was Sean Payton, who had left the Saints. And apparently Wilson hadn't been watching PFT Live or he would have known that what Payton was trying to do to get to Miami with Tom Brady. But now he's got Sean Payton in Denver and, and and that's why it's no lose for Peyton. If they stink, it's because Wilson stinks now. And if they win, it's because Peyton found a way to turn it around for Russell Wilson. And I think that if, if Pete Carroll's upset about anything, it should be that Wilson didn't have the awareness to recognize how much they did to make him maybe look better than he really was. Yeah. We'll find out this year. Yeah. But I think they coached him in a way that covered up a lot of things that may have gotten exposed last year. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. It's hard, like we talked about during the year, not to look at Seattle and go, wait, I didn't see them do some of these things with Russell Wilson and think that, oh, wait, maybe it was him and why they didn't do some of these things. It was hard to not think that or at least connect those dots, right? And then uh, the Sean Payton thing, I don't know how serious that is, but I mean, that shouldn't be a shock to anybody either. When the year he talked about, I don't want to be traded, but if I were going to be traded, the Saints with Sean Payton were one of those teams. I mean, obviously, he's had his eye on him. And then you add on, and, and Mike, I mean, you know this. I said this to you during the year. I mean, I knew too many people out there involved. I mean, it was, the red carpet was out for him. It was whatever you wanted, Russell. They tried to do make everything work for him. You heard me say, I'm watching film. I did things on social media. People open everywhere. And I'm not trying to say Nathaniel Hackett's as good as Sean Payton. I understand that. But I certainly, you know me, I'm pretty fair with my evaluations. I'd come back after games and go, damn. I mean, people are bagging on Nathaniel Hackett. And I want to say I saw like 10 guys open on third downs that the ball didn't go to. And then you add the no-nos of the football world on top of that. Your own coach in the building coaching you on how to play quarterback in an offense he doesn't know Jack Diddley squat about what that that when you say that out loud that is insane your own office in the building what are you insane does Tom Brady or Peyton Manning have they ever had an office in the building no and they're 20 times bigger than you and better than you as a corporation everything it's insanity when you say it out loud it really is it's insanity and that's going to be the difference this year, and we saw it from the introductory press conference of Sean Payton, which happened three weeks ago because we reacted to it from Phoenix, our first show there. There's not going to be anybody other than our players and our staff. And Sean Payton is going to coach Russell Wilson much harder than Nathaniel Hackett did. Nathaniel Hackett tiptoed around him. Sean Payton is not going to do that, and Sean Payton's got the ability to do it because if we get into a rock, paper, scissors in Denver, Payton wins. I still am never quite sure what beats what, but Peyton beats Wilson if it comes down to it. He'll be the guy who's gone, and Peyton will be there 
to have another quarterback that he can bring in if Wilson doesn't submit and do things the way Peyton wants. And maybe that's what Wilson needs. Maybe what he learned, if he's going to have any self-awareness from last year, what he learned is it can't be this way where I have everything and I'm unchecked. I need somebody to be pushing me. I need somebody to be guiding me. And I need somebody to call me out when I'm not doing what I need to do. All right, they're telling us we need to take a break. And we shall. Byron Jones had some interesting tweets on Saturday. We'll tell you what they were and react when PFT Live continues right after this. On Saturday, Byron Jones retweeted a video of his very long broad jump eight years ago at the Scouting Combine with this message. Much has changed in eight years. Today, I can't run or jump because of my injuries sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. Then he said it was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost. I did not foresee, in my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoiding avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed to the draft class of 2023. Now, he's not retiring because if he would retire, he would owe the Dolphins $4.2 million. They'll cut him, and he'll walk away, keeping the remainder of his signing bonus and moving forward with his post-football life. But... Look, there's a lot there that, you know, is a tough reality for these guys who are coming in. The game will leave you different. It will leave you injured. It will leave you unable to do the things you could do when you were 21 and 22 years old. And it's part of the price you're paying. And, And one area where you can take care of yourself and protect yourself is when they start saying, take this, take this shot, take this pill, because they want you to be able to play today. They don't care about what it may do to you tomorrow. Yeah, the, uh, you're exactly right about that. It's, it sounds like a guy, of course, that's frustrated. This is one of the really – you talk about a, a, a guy that went and was a workout warrior at the Combine to open up everybody's eyes and go, oh, wait, wow, this guy is every bit what I thought he was on film, right? I mean, he was did things that broke the record in the broad jump, if I remember correctly. He's used to being the freakiest guy in the world or one of those type of guys. Now he's, you know – aches and pains as soon as he gets out of the bed in the morning. And this looks like, to me, I mean, again, more than just frustration with all that, this is, you know, the the sad story of a little bit of it seems like it's crossed over into just normal everyday life. Forget about I can't play football. Like, my life isn't right right now. And that's where I feel for a guy like him. And that stinks. And, again, this will get into a conversation I know you and I have had many times, and we try to explain this to the audience. I know everybody thinks, hey, these billion-dollar organizations, and they got all the top things. Yeah, they got a top surgeon available, but rehab, getting muscles and nerves to work the right way and all of that, no. The NFL is behind the eight ball as far as that conversation is concerned. That's why you see me and myself included when I lost my spleen having to find doctors. The answer wasn't with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any team I played for. I had to go out and find specialists that were more, you know, knowledgeable in certain areas. And, you know, you, you, as a player, and if you don't know better, you just think, Hey, wait, the team's got my best interest. They know what they're talking about. There's a big time doctor that's associated with the team and all that, but you know, muscular injuries and things like that. Ice and stim still being the number one thing you do to help a guy out, even though, you know, the new age places don't do that nearly as much. They're 
they're kind of in the Stone Age a little bit with some of this stuff, and that's where it's unfortunate for players and a guy like Byron Jones. And regardless of any permanent effects of injuries, there can be mistreatment and mishandling of injuries that end a guy's career prematurely. Chris Maragos, who was a safety with the Eagles, right. he got a $43.5 million medical malpractice verdict as a result of treatment, surgery, and care for a knee injury that he suffered when he was playing. So it's good that people are held to be accountable. It's good that standards apply. But as it relates to the treatment of pain, you know, we've had this conversation about marijuana versus narcotics. And the NFL finally seems to be warming up to the idea that maybe it's better for players to man- manage their pain with cannabis and not with uh yeah vicodin, vicodin right but but it it still it still feels like they have a way to go to fully embrace alternatives to the really potent medications that can create addictions and long-term health problems just right. like the Toradol shot can well yeah and you know again I, I think this is another thing that gets into a conversation we talk about with money a little bit as well you know hey the, these some of these people who are the top muscle doctors in the world the teams don't pay them enough so they do their own practices they go wait I don't want to go work all these hours for a team and not make this money when I can be a specialized big-time doctor and charge guys all this money for an hour appointment and just rake in the cash. So that's where, you know, the NFL doesn't necessarily put their best foot forward there in that department either. And, you know, again, this is unfortunately a story that happens a lot in football. You know, I, I mean, talk to my dad. My dad saw a big-time NFL doctor. He had all problems. Hey, phantom pains, phantom pains they were telling him. I'm going, Dad, I don't know what the – I've never even heard of that, phantom pains. He went and saw a muscle specialist. They got his muscles working the right way. All of a sudden, phantom pain was non-existent. And, you know, again, it just, it's, it, I think there's a little bit of a misconception out there, and I think we're, you, you've always done a great job, and I'm, hopefully I've helped out in explaining that it's not the best stuff out there to help these players all the time. I will say this. Phantom pains would be a hell of a name for a pro wrestler. <laughs> it would be, yeah. Right. On that note, more PFT Live right <laughs> after this. Chris, I saw this before the show, and I I thought it was April 1st. It's not. Blake Martinez, who played seven years in the National Football League and made $29 million with the Packers, the Giants, and most recently the Raiders, retired, and in seven months, he's made $5 million buying and selling, not drugs, Pokemon cards. Damn. Pokemon's still going strong like that, that it has that type of value. I mean, wow, I just, that's I had no idea. Me neither. I'm I had shocked. no idea. I mean, and good- I, only, I only, I only mentioned drugs. Cause if you t- if you say you make 5 million in seven months, it's got, it's got to be something illegal, diamonds, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, how do you make 5 million in seven months doing anything? Apparently there's gold in them. Our Pokemon cards, like Martinez. <laughs> good for him. That's it for us. I'll see you tomorrow. Vulcan Death Grip time coming to you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.